You're listening to Informed, informal chats about theological topics to help us know and understand God together. Informed. Informed. Hi everyone, welcome to Informed, where today I am sat down across Zoom with Mike Betts. Uh, Mike's one of the apostles within our family of churches, Relational Mission. Um, great to see you, Mike. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, it's good to be with you. It's always a joy to uh, catch up with you. And uh, this is particularly nice. First time I've been on this podcast. And yeah. Very much looking forward to it. I thought it'd be good to talk about um, apostles. Hmm. Uh, so uh, lots of lots of Christians, um, I guess, have tended to have the view that um, apostleship was something that happened in the first century um, there was one generation of apostles and it was their job to remember what Jesus said, write it down as scripture. And you know, now we've got the Bible. We don't need apostles anymore. Um, mm. how, how have you responded to that kind of line of thinking? Well, it was very much how I was brought up to think within my sort of fairly conservative evangelical background. Um, but it wasn't until I sort of started to listen to people like Terry Virgo and others uh, not just make a pragmatic case, uh, but a biblical case. And I started to look at um, Scripture and actually think to myself, well, in Ephesians 4, when, when Jesus, um, or when it's talked about, about Jesus ascending, I realized, well, actually, these, these gifts of apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist were post-ascension gifts mm-hmm. and I thought well, that's, that's very interesting it says when he ascended he gave yeah and I think there is a difference between the 12 apostles who not all of whom wrote scripture and other people who weren't in the 12 did write scripture or the new testament yeah but it obviously nevertheless was a feature of many of their ministries and also the fact they're witnesses to the resurrection for sure so they were unique they were pre-ascension apostles Mm. which gave them a certain uniqueness but post-ascension apostles seem to be present continuous tense i mean we don't have any problems usually in any whether it's conservative evangelicalism or more sort of charismatic um uh, pentecostal sort of um worlds we don't have problems with calling people evangelists or pastors or teachers yeah we might even cope with prophets uh so they're all in that same list of post-ascension gifts so just taking that passage of scripture itself which talks about those gifts being necessary for the maturing of the church until we reach maturity well we haven't yet as far as i can tell not that i've noticed Uh, not that i've noticed uh so you would think well they're present continuous gifts i think what often happens is the definition the the word becomes defined in a way that's unhelpfully unbiblical and so people react to the definition or the outworking of it rather Mm -hmm. than to the concept or the a straightforward i think a straightforward hermeneutical expositional grasp of the scriptures i think leads to a more natural conclusion that apostles continue today than it does lead to a conclusion that they have finished with with um the death and resurrection of christ and i i think that that is difficult to argue from a purely expository point of view yeah 
Yes, because you've got the positive case you were just talking about Ephesians 4 that says he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip for the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the mm. knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood and so on. Um, so that doesn't appear to have happened. So uh, exactly, presumably Jesus is still giving those gifts. But then yes. you're also sort of saying, and there's nothing, there's no reason to expect those to stop um and that distinction between the 12 apostles and other apostles i think is quite helpful because in acts one they say oh, we need to replace judas with someone who's been with us the whole time yes um but you don't that's not true for paul and barnabas is called an apostle as well isn't he yes he is yeah i mean there are various i think silas as well i think is designated at some type point mm. and there there are others so I, I i think it is distinguishing between the the unique role that 12 have uh, had and then the ephesians 4 post ascension use of, yeah. same use of the word which really just means a sent one someone who's yeah. been commissioned and given a task to do go and do um and it's just it's worked differently so when paul says you know uh, the church is built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. I think he's talking about New Testament prophets and New Testament apostles. He's not talking about Old Testament. Uh, he's talking about the way that the church is actually built, and it should be built on a function of apostolic ministry and prophetic ministry working together. And I think that is an important point to make, that apostles on their own are not the complete package. They mm -hmm. do need particularly prophets working with them at the foundation laying stage because each church has its own unique calling in god not just needing the same scriptural and practice foundations healthy you know values laying it also needs to have its its own unique blueprint revealed uh, prophetically so that then the, there's a context for the apostolic foundations which don't change to be applied into a particular people group um, at a particular time what is an apostle? What does an apostle do? Is is it someone who's really good at being a pastor who then helps other pastors? Is it a CEO of a multinational? Um, hmm. well, well, I think every there, there's also measures of grace, obviously, that everybody receives who would have that that uh, that calling. I think when Paul made the comment. You have many guardians, but you do not have many fathers. I think there's something um, caught up with apostolic ministry and fathering, which doesn't necessarily mean you've got to be an older person or be a natural father. It just means that the way you view your, the, the churches that you're serving or the people that you're seeking to reach is as a father would about a family that, he's caring for so it's not an organizational role it's not a pastor of pastors because just because someone's doing well and praise god that they are doing well and maybe leading a church of thousands it doesn't mean they're an apostle in some ways you i would probably say paul said you know we're apostles are at the end of the line you know often the sort of scourgings of the earth they're, they're not the ones who are leading the uh or prominent even because i think their role very much is to um discover empower and release 
so that many people probably actually get the credit for what's been done because of the investment that the apostle has made. But the apostle may well, may well move on to other things. He's going to be fathering a family that the family flourishes, not that he gets a bigger platform or you know has his name apostle put on a business card or something like that. I, I, I just think the... The Western world tends to make celebrity of that word or anyone in leadership in church life. And it's not helpful because it's just the very antithesis, <clears throat> I think, of a biblical model that we see. Paul wasn't a head and shoulders man. He wasn't someone who wanted the limelight. He was very often moving on once things became fruitful. There are different facets of apostolic ministry. I think at heart, <clears throat> an apostle is someone who's been entrusted to steward the gospel. Mm -hmm. That's what I think is at the heart of it, that someone feels a responsibility from God in their generation to make sure that the gospel is not only protected, but it is um, it flourishes in different contexts and in people's lives. So I remember when God spoke to me first about what I would perceive to be my calling. And although I can't, it wasn't like audible words, the, the, the thing that went deep into my heart was this calling that somehow I would play a part within whatever sphere of influence I had to help the church not be robbed of her inheritance. Those were the words that, um, that, that settled with me when I was 19. Mm. And I'm 59 now. And I would say in, in those 40 years, that, that one phrase has been the driving motivation <clears throat> for everything I have done and am doing. I don't want to see the church robbed of her inheritance. But to me, that's about stewarding the gospel in its various forms and applying it and contextualizing it and defending it and entrusting it and multiplying it so yeah obviously church planting is part of that but it's not the only thing mm. well that's all for now but for more on this listen to the full length podcast mm.